world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard, fear no evil. Get yours today, only at LipstickBodyguard.com. What do you do when Plan A backfires and you're thousands of miles away? This week on Parents Are Hard To Raise, Diane gives her best advice to long-distance caregivers. Plus, this is not what you want to see in adult daycare. Welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert Diane Berardi. So sometimes we in healthcare, we're losing our minds too. I walked into my office the other day and I had told you um, where my office is. They have an adult uh, daycare in the same building. So I see the nurse in charge of the daycare and she's in the doorway um, leading out into the hall and she's, you know, got her hands extended, her legs, and there's a guy on the other side of the doorway and, and he's saying, I want to go home. And she's saying, but sir, you're here now. Let's just look at, look at all the other people. They're sitting there. She said, we're going to have breakfast. Do you want some coffee? He says, no, I don't want coffee. I want to go home. And she says, but we're going to be doing arts and crafts today. You know, we're going to be doing all this stuff. Why don't you go sit and join the other people? And and he says, no, I want to go home. And she said, and she's calling, she's going, Dawn, where are you? Where, Elizabeth, where are you? And he's going, I just want to go home. And she said, do you have to go to the bathroom? He's like, no, I want to go home. So she's calling everybody, and I happen to be walking in now, and I go to her, and she's like, you know, struggling to guard the doorway and I go Michelle what are you doing and she's like he wants to go home you know she said but he can't and I go that's Mr. you know Mr. Smith his wife is here he drove his wife here to daycare it's not the guy wanted to go home yeah because she's like oh my god what did I? she goes I'm so sorry and I'm like oh my gosh this poor guy is never going to be driving his wife here to daycare again so because She's like, and I'm wondering, because no one's coming to help me. And, you know, sometimes you do have people who, you know, they're in the daycare and sometimes they shouldn't, but they, you know, want to leave and they want to wander out in the hall and they'll say, I want to go home or I will have to go to work, you know. So, so anyway, that's how we started our week on Monday morning. But then we, of course, they're never going to let her live that down. And that poor guy is probably never, ever going to drop off his wife again. So I had some crazy kind of calls this week. But and, you know, I always say um, if you're if you're, you know, your parents are in one place and even even if you're in a different part of the state or maybe you, you live in the same area, but um, especially if you're, you're out of state because you, you're not going to be able to get here to your, where your parents are in, in quickly or in an emergency. So you always need some kind of plan. 
for your parents. I mean, you could be on vacation. Anything can happen. So have at least, you know, uh, I always say a plan of three three other people, three people in the area, three people you can rely on to help, to call, because, you you know, you never know what's going to happen. I got a call the other day from a woman, and, um, you know, I, I see on my caller ID, it's a Vermont phone number, and she calls, you know, she called me, and, you know, I answer the phone, and she says, I need help. <laughs> I need help for my mother. And I said, okay, well, you know, what kind of help do you need? Tell me about your mom. What's going on? Well, I need a plan. They told me I need a plan. And I said, well, who told you you need a plan? And she said, there's there's a nurse at my mother's home, and they're saying they're going to take her away because she, you know, I'm not there. There's no one there. And I said, well, okay, well, wait, you know, let's let's calm down. Just tell me a little bit about it, you know. And so she starts to tell me that, um, her mom, I said, well, what, how old is your mom? Because she's 89 years old. And I said, and, and why is someone in the home saying, you know, they're going to take your mom away? Because, you know, obviously something's wrong. I know that. And she said, I said, you know, what, what, what's wrong with your mom? Is she sick? Or She has Alzheimer's. And I said, oh, okay. I said, well, does she live alone? She says, oh, yes, but she's fine. And I said, well, you know, I know somebody wouldn't just come to your home and say, we're taking your mom away. There has to be somebody had a call, something had to happen. So I said, well, what's going on? Well, you know, she's fine. We got, we hired a woman to come in and help her, you know, two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening. And I said, oh, okay. And she said, but they're saying that's not enough. So I said, okay, well, is the woman there now? You know, well, no, she didn't come. She didn't show up for two days and I said oh I said well where did you find this person well she's you know a friend of a friend of a friend okay she says and we have I guess they have a video cam they have you know so that they can watch what's going on in their mom's home but you know if you're in Vermont your mom's in New Jersey I mean you can't do anything right there you know and I said well do you have a, a a neighbor or somebody you can you know you can call. I said, and who is in the home? I don't know. She says, it's a nurse and she's very nasty. She's very mean. So I I said, okay. I said, well, is there a neighbor? No, I think the neighbor's the one who called. So I said, okay. I said, well, she goes, I need a plan. Do you have someone who could come there for 24 hours? I said, well, I can call a service. I said, but we really need to know can you how can I have the number of the person who's in the house? Can I have the house number? I mean, we have to find out what really is going on. So she said, well, they told me I have to have a a 24-hour person come in. Can you tell me who I can call? Can you arrange it? I said, yes, of course I can. I said, but she goes, well, what would something like that cost? So you know, I said, well, you know, ballpark, this is what it might cost. Oh, we don't want to spend that kind of money. And she hung up and I'm thinking, wow, okay, well, I don't know. So a little while later, um, a a friend of mine calls and she's a a director of nursing in a hospital. And she said to me, listen, I gave your number to an acquaintance I know from church. She said, the woman called me and said, I have this relative who needs help for her mom. I said, oh, okay. 
And she said, I gave her your number. I don't know anything about it. She said, I just know that the daughter lives in Vermont <laughs> and the mother is here. And I'm like, oh, I said, well, they did. She did call me. I said, but she doesn't want the help. I said, and I'm not sure, you know, who's in the home. I said, but I just got this call. So, you know, you need you need a plan of three. You need three people you can call. I don't know who was in the home. I don't know. It could have been, you know, Adult Protective Services. I mean, here, you know, we have Adult Protective Services in New Jersey, and they uh, there's a, a number in every county that you call. And I mean, and they come in, you know, if they get a phone call where somebody suspects that a person, um, a vulnerable person is in, in, in a home or in a, in a facility or something that, and there's some kind of suspected abuse or neglect. Um, I'm not sure if they were in the home, but, uh, you know, the, the friend of mine had said to me that, well, I know her, you know, I learned from this person who, this acquaintance, they said her mother has Alzheimer's and she hasn't gotten out of bed in two days. So maybe the neighbor hadn't seen the mom, hadn't seen someone come to the home to get help. I don't know. You don't know who calls. Anyone can call. I mean, even in New Jersey now, they made it mandatory. They amended the law where they made it mandatory for any healthcare professional or a firefighter, a paramedic, an EMT, a policeman, that you have to report something where you think there's some type of vulnerability, you know, for for someone. So, um, and, you know, with Adult Protective Services, I mean, they can't just come in and remove a person out of the home without a, a court order. They can't force a person to accept help or, you know, they can't make... Uh, move someone without the person being agreeable or they have a legal representation. So I, I wasn't sure. I'm not sure what happened. I don't know. But, you know, if you're not in the area or you're on vacation, even if you are, you know, you may you may be you may be in a lawyer in court and you can't just stop what you're doing. So just have a backup. We always say that. And even if, you know, you, you have a parent and you have two parents and one is taking care of the other, you still need that backup of three. And again, you want to watch out for that caregiver because I got another call this week from a son who he was on vacation and he got a call, you know, that his mom who, uh, she had a stroke and she was in a wheelchair, but she, the, his dad was caring for her. And, you know, he was getting help in the home. She was getting therapy. Um, but what happened is his dad fell in the bathroom. His mom is in a wheelchair. She can't speak. She had a stroke. Dad fell in the bathroom. Luckily, his dad had his cell phone on him. Now, they do have a medical alert on the mom, but the dad doesn't carry one around. We are fortunate he had a cell phone on him. So he was able to call 911. So, but what happens is he's taken to the hospital. His mom had to be taken to a rehab because she had to be taken to a nursing home because she can't be, stay in the home. And they couldn't get in touch with the son initially. So there was nothing that could be done. And, and so... But the dad hadn't, we come to find out, the dad hadn't been feeling well for quite a while, but he doesn't, didn't tell anyone, you know, and, and that happens 
a lot with the caregiver. They're taking care of their spouse. They're taking care of their mom. They're taking care of their dad. And they don't say, and they're, they're, they themselves, they're not going to doctors. They're run down. So here you have now, you know, his mom's in a, a nursing home and, you know, probably they have to set up now speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy. We don't know how long she's going to be in there, you know, and dad now has, he fell and they found out, you know, he has all kinds of problems. So now he has to be taken care of. So we don't know what's going to happen. When is the mom going to come home? You know, the son ultimately wants to get care in the home so he can bring his mom home and she continue, can continue to uh, work on getting better. But these are things that happen. So if you have that backup plan, that those three people that can help, people who have a key, you know, somebody else to get into your mom's home, could be a, a neighbor, could be a friend. Neighbors are, are great. And especially if people live in a retirement community, neighbors know everything that's going on. Sometimes you want that, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have a close neighbor, they have a key, and they can call you, you know, they can call somebody, they know another relative or whatever. You know, in this situation... There was a brother-in-law who lived in the area, but he himself was on vacation. So you always, you need more than one backup. It happens. So these are things I just want to warn you about. Um, a happy story. We did set up care. Here, there's a family. There's an elderly man that I got a call from a sister-in-law. And um, he had care. He had fallen he lives alone, and apparently he was born with a disability, and it's kind of like a, a Parkinson's. And he also had has, you know, some kind of um, whatever this illness is. It affected his eye and his face, and he has um, features that are kind of distorted. And so he lived with his parents, and then he lived alone his life, and he could take care of himself, but. He he's in his 80s now and he had fallen and he came out and he got some help through Medicare. He got um, he was provided with an aid. And so he got the help. But that doesn't last long, you know, maybe four visits, maybe six visits. So his sister-in-law had called and she had told me that um, they all do different things. He has a niece who pays his bills and she comes, she cooks meals and she goes and spends a day with him. His brother-in-law goes and cleans. And so they all have backups, but she felt that they needed some more help. So we were able to get him some help in the home an aid to still come and to help him. And you know, what was the great part about it was he said, Oh, I really like this aid. He really, this, this really worked and this helped. So that's a great story and everybody feels good. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only five feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States. 
and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you, in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. Were you ever young? You're listening to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. I want to just uh, mention Lipstick Bodyguard. First of all, I want to thank them for sponsoring the show. We wouldn't be able to do this show without them. And I was a customer of Lipstick Bodyguard uh, long before this show you know, even started. I would I would buy probably a dozen a week and give them to every visiting nurse I knew, uh, every home health aide, every realtor. Because even though you know crime rates are down, crime against women is up, and it does. It looks just like a lipstick, and they could carry it, you know, with them. I mean, you're a realtor. You're going into homes. I mean, you don't know what you're going to run into. You're a visiting nurse. You're going into areas. Some areas are good. Some aren't, and so this is a great... Um, you know, protection for women to carry. Um, I, I, someone had told me, you know, that I had given it to them. They even went into um, a, a Mac machine. You know, they have those um, outside, you know, you have to scan your card. And they went into the the bank and it was on off hours. It was at night and somebody walked in behind them. So they didn't even realize someone was behind them. And he's like, you know, uh, get me some money. And so she, she had the lipstick a bodyguard in her pocket of her sweatshirt and so she was able to you know spray it spray it at him and it in his eyes and call 911 and she was able to get out of that situation so it's really a great product and thank you again for sponsoring our show so I had a call from someone and they had asked me to um check out a, a an adult daycare in a certain area. And so I went and, and visited the place. And, you know, I had talked to you about when you go to, you know, um, if your mom or dad, you want to have them attend an adult daycare, you want to go check it out. And this place, you know, it was, it was dreary. It wasn't well lit and it wasn't, you know, the people were just sitting there. And this was for people with, um, uh, it was a social daycare, you know, for people with, dementia but you know no one was engaging with the people and they 
you know, the staff was kind of all sitting and talking among themselves, and the people were just kind of sitting there, and I guess they had these coloring books in front of them, but it was nothing that, you know, I want you to bring mom or dad to, nothing that, if you check out a, a daycare like that, no, you have to remember, first of all, you don't, you know, we don't want it to smell, we want it to be well lit. You know, there's so many of them popping up now, and they're they're nice, they're new, they're well lit. The people are engaged, the people are talking. Um, I don't know what these people were eating, but it wasn't something that you you would want mom or dad to be eating. And so you want when you go look, you know, you want to make sure it's something. It's not like a, you know, not like an old classroom, you know, an old grammar school that we were used to. And they had this guy in there and he was playing the piano and the other guy was playing the guitar and they were doing, singing rock and roll music. Well, these people weren't listening to that. They, they, they had, these are, you know, 80 and 90 year old people sitting in there. So, you know, there's this great global movement going on to educate people about dementia. It's to raise awareness about it. And, you know, this started in Japan back in 2005. And now there's like 33 countries involved. And and so, you know, we have to educate people about dementia. What is it? How does it affect people? And you have to remember that, that there's a person there and just because maybe they can't write a check anymore or they don't remember all the steps in making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, it doesn't mean that it's not a person and it isn't someone who has feelings and somebody who needs to be um stimulated and they they want to they want to be doing things they want adventure just like you and I do you know if i ask i ask students new students coming in i say what what do you think of when you hear the word dementia and people always they give you these negative words, you know, hopeless, depressed. They picture people just sitting there, you know, with their head down or sitting there giving them, you know, just there's nothing, no emotion showing in their face. And that isn't true. And if if then I have them listen to people who are diagnosed with dementia their their perception changes because they hear these people talking and so then they'll say to me oh you know instead of saying hopelessness they'll say hope or they'll say you know instead of depression well maybe courage because you know people don't understand and we have to really make people aware in 2013 there was this dementia friends program that was launched in England and Wales and now it's underway here in the United States so we have to make people, you have to be empathetic. You have to understand what's going on with a dementia patient, with someone who's diagnosed, you know, because we don't want to define a person by the condition. It's still a person there. And we, the biggest problem we have is we don't know how to communicate or how to react so we don't do anything at all and that's where this loneliness this isolation here's where we're patronizing people and we're not remembering hey there's a human being in there so this dementia friends program is they have them in the U.S. and you can become a dementia friend you complete this online 
session. And the biggest thing is it tells you about the illness, the symptoms, you know, and how to relate to people. And they want you to do something, maybe become a volunteer. You know, they give you some basic skills. Uh, Maybe you can, they say to you, you have to do something. Maybe you can visit a person with dementia. You know, and it's not only dementia, the illness of dementia, they get stigmatized. It's people who've had strokes, you know, sometimes as soon as a person hears the diagnosis, they isolate themselves and people isolate from them. You know, so we don't want that. We want to, we want people to be aware, people to understand. We don't, what happens, you know, how do, how do stigmas arise? How do prejudices arise? Well, it's fear. We don't know we don't understand what it is and we don't know how to react to it. You know, people with dementia, people who have been diagnosed will say that, you know, friends shy away. Friends don't come to visit them anymore. Even people with strokes because they don't know what to do for the person. So here where they, we have these programs or this training, we're telling you, okay, this is how you do it. This is what you do. In Germany, they have this great, um, program that was developed. And Germany has the largest number of people over age 65 in Europe. So there's, they developed these tours for, in, in art museums for people with dementia, for people who um, go to these adult daycare centers. They go out and they visit these art museums. And this program was developed after one of the employees who worked there, well, her mom was diagnosed with dementia. So the people who worked with her in this museum said, geez, how can we help her? How can we help her with her mom? So she used to bring her mom to work with her. And they realized how her mom was interested in in all the exhibits and what was going on. So they, they got in touch with the Alzheimer's Association and they set up, they decided to set up these tours for people with dementia. And what they would do is, you know, they'd have um, people go, these, these people coming and visit from the nursing homes. They would, you know, stop at one exhibit and then they would ask them, geez, what do you think about that? What do you think the artist was trying to convey? And what was great is the people with dementia were on target nine out of 10 times of what the artist was, was trying to convey because they simply, you know, they, they used their emotion and they simply stated, well, I think this is what he was trying to say, where you take us, you know, as average people, we're, we're trying to figure it out. We're really going into, um, we're trying to really get into the head of the artist and connect with them and trying to really figure out what it is. And we're not on target as much as they are. So this is great. This is an adventure for people. They get out, they socialize, and they're using their minds. You know, they're, they're, so people with dementia, they still have, you know, there's still a person in there. They still can think. They still have hobbies. We can try helping them with hobbies. There's all different, different ways of socializing with them. It doesn't mean that they're, just going to sit in a chair and fade away. And, you know, there's a big concern because, you know, if people are diagnosed with dementia, some people don't even go to get a diagnosis. Some people are fearful. They don't want to know. And this limits trials. This limits, you know, um, more, more, uh, 
progression in Alzheimer's and dementia and how we can help people, how we can have programs, all the testing, because, you know, some people say, geez, I, you know, sometimes if they're afraid that they might have something wrong with them, they might have started with dementia. They don't get evaluated. They don't want to hear the diagnosis because they're afraid of what's going to happen. And they say, ah, what am I going to do anyway? What does it matter if I already have the disease? Well, it does because, you know, they can be in a trial, which will help other people. They can help other people by, you know, you never know what's going to happen or what, what cure is going to come. There is no cure right now for dementia. So people say, Oh, forget it. I don't want to know, but you know, it, they can help someone else. U S obesity rates are up. They're climbing as well as adults with type 2 diabetes. So we have to get out there. We have to watch what's, what, we're, what we're doing in the United States. That's because people are, what are we doing? Maybe it's the winter. Maybe we're just sitting. We're eating the wrong things. The FDA is really now, they're going full steam ahead with plans to make us eat healthier as Americans. So watch out for new SALT updates. They're saying they're going to, uh, next year, they're going to reduce sodium levels in foods from frozen pizzas to canned foods. <clears throat> they're going to now redefine what healthy means. And they want to change our food labels so that they'll display it on the package more so that it'll say, this is healthy. <laughs> so I guess we can see it better. Healthy food. Okay, so my survival tip of the week. You feel like you don't need to work on relationships, but you do. We have to work on every every relationship we have. People change over the years. People things different things happen to different people. So we have to adapt. We have to adapt and work on the relationship as the person is now. So I hope today's episode was something you can really take away something just to understand geez these are the things I have to talk to my parents about remember the very best conversations happen here at parentsarehardtoraise.org so please go right now to parentsarehardtoraise.org and leave a question a comment so myself our team and the entire parents are hard to raise community can support you share as much detail as you can because thousands of people come here each week for insight and inspiration. And you never know, your story may give someone else exactly what they need to live more fully right now. One of the things we're all striving for is community and connection, so please join us. If you found something helpful in this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or iHeartRadio. This is episode 53. I'd be so grateful if you'd share this episode with friends, with family. If you found something helpful in today's episode, episode 54, please subscribe on iTunes or iHeartRadio. I'd be so grateful if you'd share this episode with your family and friends. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a Counterseek Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music New York, New York, under license of Broadcast Music Incorporated. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to reading your comments. Can't wait till we meet up again next week on the next episode of Parents Are Hard to Raise. Till then, question everything. See you again next week.